Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Kura. I love you, Bear. This is episode 47 of the Bear and Kura podcast. We're going to talk about being gay. Could you tell us a bit about your background and how gay people were treated as you grew up? I suppose I was raised in a middle class, sort of, maybe upper middle class. I I don't know. Didn't seem like we had a lot of money, but we didn't seem like we were really poor either. My parents, I don't really know how they felt about gay people when I was a child. I, I think. It was just something, a topic to be avoided. It wasn't like at school where everyone said, you know, how evil and terrible homosexuals were. My parents just didn't talk about it. Hmm. Now, the chief of police, I do remember one time saying, we don't hassle the queers. Those were his exact words. Well, that, was that when you were a child or as you were older? Well, I... I thought that was as you were older. Older, yes. I don't know how far into adulthood I was. I was I was old enough to be aware of gay rights and things like that. So I suppose I was either out or close to out. Okay. But I... I just vividly remember him saying that and thinking, you both admitted it and denied it at the same time. Yeah. What about you? Uh, my family was probably about the same middle class. Um, I don't remember anyone really talking about it. I remember when I was in high school, my dad told me uh, one day, if I ever find out you're a faggot, you're going to be out of the will. But earlier than that, I don't really, I mean, there was a neighbor, his name was Fritz, he lived down the street, and he was a gay gentleman, he was a Vietnam vet, everybody knew that he was gay. My my dad never had anything negative to say about him, my mom didn't, they loved him, but it was kind of just, and you know, when I was a kid, I didn't realize he was gay, at the time, I just thought he was different. He always seemed to have new guys hanging around the house like he he always have a, a new roommate every summer because he would just come down during the summertime so uh and i remember he had a lot of parties so god i'm being so stereotypical right now but um yeah i mean the biggest impact was my father telling me that when i was in high school so i don't even remember to this day like it was like it was yesterday so but yeah Kind of along the same line, you you know, you were raised. However, I you know, I went to public schools, and it just wasn't talked about. I mean, you would hear kids drop the the faggot bomb or stuff like that, or say don't be gay, or you know, you, you know, stuff like that. But it just it wasn't really discussed. I guess I do remember on the day that we got married, I spent some time alone with your mother. I don't recall what. It, what the reason was you had to go somewhere and get something or do something. And I spent some time with your mother and I asked her if your father was still alive, if he would be there, if he would embrace 
our marriage. And she thought for a very long time and finally said, I don't know. Yeah. I think he would have, I, I don't know, part of me, I would like to think that he, because when I told my mom that story, when I came out to her, she said, well, we never have to worry about that. She goes, but as long as you're happy, I'm happy. And if he did decide to do that, I would have half of everything his ass owns. <laughs> so that was pretty much, you know, but I think, I honestly think he probably would not have been accepting at first, but then I think it probably would have come around to it in the long run. Like my father did. Yeah, but I think he would have been more more of a ball breaker about it, though, too. <laughs> he would make mm-hmm. little snide, you know, jokes and stuff like that. I, I could see me and him kind of arguing about it, you know, like, okay, that's funny, but that's not appropriate, or you know what? That wasn't funny. You crossed the line because he he was a consummate ball breaker. So it was his favorite pastime. How did you first discover your sexual orientation, and what was the experience like for you? Gosh, my first experience, I was drunk, uh, <laughs> and then you look back. I didn't know. You know what I mean? I just thought this guy was kind of attractive, and it was just. I was drunk, and I'm like, I'm wanting to experiment. But then, you know, you do a little bit of introspection after your first, I guess, encounter. Because uh, uh, looking back, I you, you put all the pieces together, and it's like, well, yeah, I like looking at this more than I like looking at that. And kind of stuff along those lines, I would say. Well, I would have to say that Discovering your sexual orientation and having a sexual experience are two different things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was... So it sounds like you had sex before you had decided your orientation. Well, I think I lied to myself and said, well, no, that was just fun, but I was was bisexual. Yeah, but yeah, I guess you're correct in that. Do you see what... So you... It was some time after that before you came out to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I finally admitted. I was I was really frightened to admit it. I, you know, I was living in a fraternity house that was very, you know, your standard college macho, stupid crap, stuff like that. You know, and back then it wasn't socially acceptable. It was still frowned upon. I, I guess I could say. I didn't really know any gay people, so I kind of felt left out on an island. I knew of gay people, uh, but I didn't associate with any gay people. I would say for me it was the other way around. I learned to accept my sexual orientation before I ever had sex with anyone. Yeah, well, you did it the right way. I remember looking myself in the mirror and saying, I am gay, and it was really hard the first time. Oh, I bet. But I eventually came around. Hmm. Okay. My first inkling of my sexual orientation was uh, a guy named Lee Majors, who was who played a character named Steve Austin on the Six Million Dollar Man, or was it the Bionic Man? I don't remember which which was the it title. Was the Six Million Dollar Man. He. Made me realize <laughs> I liked looking at him a lot better than any of the women. He made you tingle on the inside. Yeah. I remember collecting pictures and 
uh, some of the pictures were of him shirtless uh, long before I ever knew what sex was. Mm -hmm. I I also knew that I had to hide that stuff too. I I, I guess it was probably from school that I I I learned that 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 wasn't. So social norms were already pushing you into the closet? Yeah, yeah. How have your family and friends responded to your sexual orientation? Well, um, my family's very accepting of it. It took me a long time to come after my mom because I was afraid. Those words that my dad told me were in the back of my mind. My sister was accepting. She was surprised. The friends that weren't accepting, uh, my fraternity friends or members and stuff like that, I have no longer, I don't have any contact with anymore because they were not accepting of it. But my immediate friend group now, uh, people I consider friends are very accepting of it. Uh, they support me. Uh, they support us. We're very fortunate in that. Uh, but I, I don't suppose they knew before you did. No, I mean, even, well, I guess like the guys, well, cause you got to remember, I relocated here from New Jersey. So even a lot of guys that I went to high school with, so there's a group of them that, weren't accepting that I just don't have any contact with anymore. But, you know, I moved clear across country. And so I almost had like two different lives. And then I came out to like a, some a group of my other friends and um, took a long time to do that. I was really afraid. Uh, one of them kind of got into it this with them last year. So I guess he wasn't very accepting. Still kind of we talk because we game with each other on Friday nights, but it's a, it's still a fractured relationship. I, I don't think I could really forgive him uh, for what he did. But, you know, that's that's his loss, in my opinion. But the other guys that I game with on a Friday night, they're completely supportive. They want to know what's going on. Very, uh, they're, 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 they're very uh, gay right oriented. So, and, you know, I was surprised by some of them, but not really. Uh, the ones, the, anybody who's not supportive of me, I've cut out. So, hmm. I cut them out. They're, they're, they're not your friends. They're not my friends. I don't have anything to do with them. The one person I have a little bit to do with is my buddy. Well, I used, used to be a very close friend. Hurt a lot when the, it all went, happened. But we're cordial to each other. But I don't make small talk with him. We'll talk about TV shows, and the only reason that. But even when he gets on, and he only jumps on every once in a while, I immediately I quiet down because I don't have anything to say. You know, everybody else wants me to, 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 I guess get over it or turn the page because he was drunk when he did it. But that's a lame excuse, and he's got a lot more apologizing, or we need to have a sit down chat. Because, honestly, I feel he would have never have done that if we were face-to-face because -face, I would have knocked his teeth out of his mouth. I guess there's a little bit of anger there. I just thought it was very cowardly of what he did, and it just showed his true color. So, neither here nor there. If he's drunk, that's whatever. That's a lame-ass excuse for a lame-ass uh, comment in what he did. So, Well, my family, my mother and my father were initially very dismayed. Um, my father didn't want to discuss it, um, di didn't want to hear about it, anything at all. That was his, 
immediate um, reaction. My mother was, uh, she said, I, what will I say if my friends find out? Hmm. I could see her. About her. Yeah, I could, well, yeah. My sister, I never came out to. It's just like she always knew. Yeah, siblings are good at that, I guess. Some of them are. Hmm. Now, friends, that was right at the transition. When I came out to my parents, was right at the transition between high school and college. And I didn't have any friends in high school. I, I didn't really like those people. Uh, but I had lots of friends in the Star Trek club. I belonged to a Star Trek club. And those people were very accepting of me. And um, kind of as I, like I said before, uh, they knew before I did. Hmm. I, I guess I'm really fortunate that I had that kind of support system yeah. at that time. That's very good. That's awesome. How has your sexual orientation impacted your career and other aspects of your life? I suppose it has. It's a, a, a been a definite influence on my life. As far as my career, I don't know. I'm I'm a computer programmer. The computers they don't care. Yeah, but you have to work with people. Um, the people who are professionals. Um, guess I have to kind of say they don't care either. Yeah. Um, how about you? Well, when I, everyone's been really accepting. I mean, when I first started, when I first got into to it, I was working at the Gap, which is a very gay-friendly environment. Uh, but even some of the people there were, were stunned because I stopped working there and then came out and saw some of those people and came out. Uh, they were accepting. And then the job after that, um, kept I was closeted. Uh, I don't think those people handled it that well, but that was a short-lived job. And then the next job after that, I got it because of my partner at the time. So everybody already knew. And then when I, my current job in the pawn shop that I've done for the past night, how long has it been? Nine, 19 years, 20 years? I was, I got hired through a friend. So I, everyone was accepting, but more of shocked, I guess, when they find out that I'm gay. I guess I don't put off the uh, quote-unquote gay vibes, so I always throw everyone's gay door out. But I've never really had a problem with it. I'm, you know, I'm, we're also bigger guys, so I think some people might be afraid to say something derogatory towards us, I think, sometimes. I don't know, that's just my idea. But I've never really had a problem with it professionally. And I think if I did, I wouldn't be afraid to address it. That, but, that's very true. Yeah. So, like I said, I'd probably knock some teeth out of somebody's mouth. <laughs> so <laughs> he's laughing right now, smiling. So someday you'll grow up and be a big boy. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting bigger. <laughs> what have been some of the biggest challenges or obstacles that you have faced as a member of the LGBT community? I'm gonna let you go first on this one. Okay. I would say getting the government to care about people with AIDS. When AIDS became known, the the people who are most affected by it, men who have sex with men and drug users, were the primary p 
people who were affected by it, who got infected. And I think a lot of people thought of that as a good solution to a couple of their problems. Yeah, and since people called it the gay plague. They were hoping that, you know, it would just infect us all and we'd all die and they wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. The government was not too far behind that that idea. And it took a very long time before government resources became available. And it took a lot of lobbying and people wearing their heart on their sleeves and, and coming out in a hostile environment until there was enough critical mass that being gay was at least tolerated, if not accepted. And um, I think we've come a long, long way since then. Yeah, it's uh, nowadays. It's um, it's uh, people are very fortunate nowadays. They people are way more accepting of being gay back when, better than when we were growing up. Um, kind of what spurred this whole episode was just the discussion that me and you had a few days ago about this. Kids come out at such an early age now, and I know that it's still scary for them, but they do have much better resources, and it's more socially acceptable back when we did. Would you agree? Yes, and and I really credit AIDS for that. Because it was a crisis, it was a healthcare crisis, and it forced people to acknowledge that there are gay people who were affected. And, well, and gay people came out knowing that that's what it would take. And well, do you I, think I, I don't think we would have gotten as far as we have if it wasn't for AIDS. Or do you think, okay, just think about this real quick, though. If it actually was a disease that could only affect gay people, do you, but not straight people, because the straight community started getting it too, because just it it's sexually transmitted. Do you think we would still be if like if it never could affect a straight person ever? Do you think we would be at where we're at now? Or if it was just strictly gay oriented, where you'd have you know? Do you do you see? I know it's not possible, but do you see what I'm saying there? I think that would have accelerated it even more. Okay. I think it accelerated because people were losing loved ones. Where if you had that uncle or that aunt, it was affecting everybody because it was. And and certain industries were devastated by the the, the epidemic. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, you know better than me, but uh, the local doctor here, when when people, she was the only aid specialist here around in the state, I believe. Dr. Sweet, when she told the story, when people would come in and get diagnosed, the first thing they would do is fill out paperwork to file for hospice care because it was a death sentence within months of getting it. Well, now it's a disease you can live with, kind of like diabetes. Well, I guess HIV is, which obviously everyone knows turns to AIDS. Well, I think, I think AIDS made the gay organizations, it forced them to be a bit more powerful, to be a bit more strong, a, a more insistent 
that people recognize our rights and responsibilities. Well, to treat you like a human, like a human. Yeah. Not a second or third class citizen. I remember the the president, Ronald Reagan. I mean, it, it was like the seventh year of his administration before he even would say the word AIDS. Wow. And Nancy Reagan had all kinds of Hollywood friends, and she went right along with it. She didn't. She didn't rock the boat either. Yeah, that was kind of difficult. When was the last year when, for Pride Month, they put her face on a stamp? Oh yeah, recently. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, lack of thought there. Yeah, I, I don't like that we got AIDS. But I can't help but think that it, it accelerated our our movement considerably. For rights and everything? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't very long ago that we, we were being able to be recognized federally. 2015, uh, that we, you know, as a married couple, you know what I mean? So it's, we're still at the infancy of the rights that we should have had a long time ago. And, and that was a conceded effort by basically the the gay rights donors, the, the, the people with the money, who told the gay rights organizations, we want you to put your emphasis on marriage and love. And it took a lot of people coming out and a lot of people saying, our, our love is valid. Mm -hmm. before when someone would think of a, um, a of a homosexual relationship they would think of two men having sex and we in i don't know 10 years turn that around and and now when the public you know when they hear of of a gay relationship they think of two people in love they don't think of two men having sex mm -hmm. and it just took a lot of people coming out and and talking to their families and their friends and their coworkers and and basically forcing people to recognize that we exist and that we that we, there's true relationships yeah that that our love is real and i'm so glad i got to live to see that cuz in my teenage years i would have never dreamed that that would happen oh i remember i remember the day vividly when it Passed federal law. I was at work, and we just got married in May, so we were married for about a month. And uh, no, not even a month, because we got married May thirtieth, and I think the bill was passed June fifth, June fifteenth. It was somewhere in the middle of June. You called me up, and you're like, hey, "Do you have a moment?" I remember stepping outside. It was a beautiful day outside, and you were in tears, saying that you know you never thought you'd ever see this day, ever. Uh, that we would be, because uh, it was, the state recognized it, but like I said, it wasn't federally recognized. And you you were in tears of joy, but you were saying that, you know, you never thought in a million years that you would live to see this day. So it was very heartwarming. Well, let's move on to the next question. guess we covered that question. What advice would you have for people who are struggling to come to terms with their sexual orientation? Okay, so many people fear coming out because they want to fit in. 
and I want to tell you that fitting in is highly overrated. People, you should be your your authentic self. Nobody should force you to be or say that you're something different. Now, I, I bet you feel a little different because I, I think you 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 want to fit in more than I do. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're right there. Um, but no, I feel the same way. It's scary, no matter what. It's scary because you never know how people are going to react. Uh, but the people who treat you negatively, you don't need those people in your life. But it is, it's a life-changing event. But I've never been happier. I probably would have towed the line for the longest time and married and had children and probably would have cheated on my, my wife. And, you know, if, if I did ever get married in a straight relationship back then, I would have, you know, I probably would have loved that person, but I wouldn't have been fully in love with that person because of my orientation, because of who I am. But no, you nailed it on the head. Um, being yourself, your true self, is worth everything. And you can't let anyone take that away from you. And and it just makes your life so much happier and fuller. And then, like I said, the people that, that don't support that, then they just don't support you as a human being totally. Uh, and, you, and you just don't need to be around that. So, and to each their own, but you know what? It's a big world and you're going to meet plenty of people. And yeah, it's, being your true self is, is priceless. That probably surprises you. That's, that's what I had to add to that. Yeah. In a bit, I am surprised. Hmm. I, I think I'm lucky that I, I had a group of friends who were also misfits and, they accepted me and I accepted them. And I think I'm very fortunate for that. Yeah. We're, we're both very fortunate with the group of friends that we do have, but it took work. You know, I know it took me some work, but you know, I, I want to give up any of my friendships right now at all. I know that I could pick up the phone and call any of those people anytime if I needed anything. And they know they could do the same for me. And they do support us, which is important, way important, because if they, they didn't, then um, i just have nothing to do with them. Is there anything that you wish the broader community understood better about the LGBT community? No, oh, there's plenty. <laughs> yeah. So look, that could be a very long. <laughs> <laughs> I think where I've been going with this conversation is that I think we need to give credit to our elders, to, to those who came before, the people who came out when you could lose a job or lose your home or your family, but they came out anyway. Yeah. People who lost everything for coming out. Yeah. Um, we need to remember those people. I've said in the past that um, one of my, the, the people that I admire the most is uh, Sir Isaac Newton. And I I, I have no idea. I, I doubt that he was gay. I, I, I've never heard anything 
You didn't Otherwise. see his Tinder profile? I mean, his, his, <laughs> his grinder profile? <laughs> but uh, at one time he wrote, If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Makes a lot of sense. Um, those of us in the gay community need to acknowledge those who came before. Well, very much. Because we wouldn't have the rights and responsibilities we have if it weren't for them. Mm-hmm. I wrote that a hundred percent. Well, this was um, this was some podcast. Yeah, I'm glad you suggested the topic again. No, not a problem. I'm glad you discussed it with me. I hope everybody enjoyed it. So I guess we're at the end of the show. So, what is your favorite joke right now? I once told a drag queen that she was drying her eyebrows too high. Okay. She looked very surprised to hear that from me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Ba -dum -bum. laughs> All right. We hope you've enjoyed episode 47 of the Bear and Kura podcast. This is Bear. This is Kura. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com.